Hello, welcome to MySpot Talks. I'm Chen Shah, hosting a series of podcasts for the global events industry. In the first episode of 2021, we talked to agency leaders about their planning for this year. We are joined by Charlotte Gentry from Pure Communications, Rick Stainton from Smile, Chris Clark from Purple Dog Solutions, and Richard Murphy from First Event. Thank you everyone for joining. Chetan here, Meisberg. Happy 2021. I did make a joke that we could easily have played the May talks from 2020 and it possibly could be the same, but we hope not. We hope we've got some good content again, at least a bit of insight into what's happening into the marketplace for 2021 and what the vision is from the agency leaders. Uh, this is being recorded and it will be on our forum, which I'll come on to in a second. So if you could, I love it that it's, you've got your cameras on, but if you could go on to mute um, so that we don't get the background noise, apart from the speakers, thank you. Got the chat box for questions. Please do pop things in there and I'll try and get to them as we're going along. And as always, the objective is to share best practice and recover stronger and faster. Um, and we really appreciate the open and honesty given by all the panel members today. Um, my book messages, we've got the V Awards, which you hopefully know, which is a celebration of all things virtual and hybrid. Um, we've changed the date. So it was in May and it will now be in 2nd of July. Just That's just so we can have the best chance of having a live event because that's absolutely what we want to do. So 2nd of July for the V Awards. You can go to micebookvirtualawards.com for more details, see our fabulous panel of judges, um, and you can register your interest. And you can also, if you haven't done so and you do have virtual offerings, please do register them on micebook.com if you're an agency, if you're a supplier of virtual services in any shape or form. Uh, the voice forum that we have on Workplace is closing. Um, it is going to um, move uh, to a new forum. So I have popped the details right at the top of this thread, of the chat thread, voice.micebook.com, and you can sign up to the new forum, and I will send that out. Um, and so that closes on the 1st of Feb, so we're going to migrate over this month. You're the first. Well, we've had a bit of an advisory testing it all. Feedback's been good, but you'll be the first to... Um, get registered on it. Also, please do try and put your profile image and your company name, that'd be appreciated. Right, let's get straight to this one. Really delighted to have some shy retiring types of our industry leaders, um, which many of you will know. So I'm gonna get them to introduce themselves. Uh, can you tell us your name, company, and tell us your New Year's resolution? I'm gonna to come to Richard first. Hey, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, the, um, as you know, the, well, my name is uh, Richard Murphy, first event. Um, we're based in uh, the north of England in Leeds. We're a, a, a mice um, agency, turnover about 11 million, got uh, 30, 40 staff working for us. Uh, my New Year's resolution, as you know, is a bit of a weird one this year. I'm going to buy some woodland and uh, I'm going to um, have a bit of a legacy. So that's my New Year's resolution. Get some woodland. Duck pond, chill out, relax, and um, and that's my that's my thing I'm going to do this year. Nice, uh, Rick. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Rick Stainton, founder and group exec director at Smile, um, and and founder of One Industry One Voice and the We Create Experiences campaign. Um, Smile's a creative agency that's uh, got um, a, a bit of a, 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 a reputation, I guess, for for delivering very creative and innovative experiences across 
um, uh, a number of different sectors, um, IT, telco, media. Uh, we do things like the Ryder Cup opening ceremony. We do activations at Mobile World Congress. We do music events for Red Bull. Um, we do big activation product launches for Samsung and Facebook and so on. And um, yeah, very pleased to be here. Thanks, Rick. Um, Charlotte? Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Charlotte Gentry from Pure Communications Group. Delighted to be here this afternoon. Um, I am the CEO and founder um, of Pure. Um, we are a full service agency, um, have been very embedded in um, uh, logistics or running events for, uh, for a number of years. The agency has been uh, going for close to well, about 18 years now. Um, we made a transition at the back end of 2019 to become more of a communications agency, which um, has been a really interesting experience for us. Um, and as a result, we've been doing a lot of very varied work um, over the last 12 months, um, which has been fantastic and really exciting. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm very happy to be here today and uh, uh, and to impart any um, any any pearls of wisdom that I might be able to, to just to impart to anyone here on this call. Charlotte, there is high hopes for that, um, I assure you. <laughs> uh, Chris, finally. Yeah, hi, I'm Chris Clark, um, owner of Purple Dog Solutions, uh, a Bijou agency based in the middle of nowhere in North Bucks. Um, we, we really focus on doing things slightly different to, to mainstream in terms of the way we operate. Um, we're a sort of a a freelance associate partnership philosophy, which has worked quite well uh, over the years. And uh, of course, in uh, 2020, it meant that we weren't in the situation where we were furloughing lots of people. We just simply and sadly didn't really work with many people um, in our in our sort of partnership. But we we deliver uh, creative events like everybody else. But at the same time, you know, we're not in the market to try and be the biggest um, and the most far reaching. We just want to do great work like we all do. Um, New Year's resolution, kind of don't really have one, except that I've got a new puppy. So another another life that I need mm -hmm. to keep alive for the whole of this year, that would be a good start. Brilliant, thank you. Thank you everyone for joining. Okay, let's get straight into some of the questions. And as I said, please do pop into chat any questions you may have for the panel. Um, our, most of our passions on this in this group on this call is live. We want to get back to live. Of course, virtual has been brilliant. It's been really innovative. But in terms of live, Chris, I'm going to come straight back to you. What are you seeing in terms of any conversations you have with clients? Is it all postponements? Is it all, I mean, what, what are they saying? When, where, and when, when can you start having those conversations again? So from a personal perspective, our live events have been pretty much like everybody else's. They've is been... Barine speaking? Hi, Barine, it's Nick from Emitting. Um, hey, hey, Perrine. <laughs> um, <laughs> like everybody else's, our events have been basically put back. We haven't had... We've had one cancellation, um, which was ironic. It was the day after we won it. Um, but uh, other than that, they've been put back. We were supposed to have our first live event of 2021, which was a postponement of a live event from 2020. But as that is March, uh, last week they made the decision to put it back till um, 2022, which is rather lovely. 
Um, but but I, I would say that most of the events have, have postponed. What clients are saying to me is quite simply, they don't want to make decisions. Um, you know, they're making the decisions that they need to make, i.e. that they are going to do something. Um, and in, in the case of the live events that we've got on the books at the moment, they are all um, postponed, so, uh, postponement events. So nothing brand new. Um, on on um, Christmas Eve, we were awarded uh, uh, an, another event, which then got um, postponed on uh, the 4th of January. So I, I don't think we're out of the woods just yet, but um, one of the things that I did, because we're very, you know, we are quite a small agency, I, I canvassed a bit of opinion um, on, on somebody else or a couple of others. And one of the things that came out of that, and I, I can't mention the name because they head up a, uh, a sort of a, 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 a global representation slash PR um, business and and it would be uh, it wouldn't be great for me to, to to mention them but one of the things that they said having canvassed tens of thousands of people over the last six months um, is that uh, there tends to be or there seems to be a, a tendency to go back to the safe or the perceived safe rather than necessarily what we would call exciting and emerging destinations so it's almost like maybe at the end of this we're going to go back 20 years and your Marbella's and your New York's and your LA's will be perhaps a little bit more um, uh, the, the perception is that they will be a safer bet because some of the commentary that they're getting is that people want to understand the, 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 um, the safety element of course but is a flag carrier going there therefore access and getting out again quite quickly if they need to do so um, the cleanliness, the managing risk, if you like, you know, that those seem to be what a lot of the corporate buyers are, are thinking about now, rather than necessarily all about innovative, going to new places, doing new things. That that seems to be the feedback that we're getting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that if that you know bears out because there's always one thing people say one thing, but then sometimes do something completely different. So yeah. it'll be interesting to yeah. see. Richard, you uh, we talked just before we got went live about um, an event that you've got. You, you've got something still live for May June, is that right? Yeah, yeah we've got um, we've got yeah we've got quite a few events. So we've got the big event going to um, going to Lisbon, private charter, 180 people going there. I spoke to the CEO yesterday. I said, you know, what do you want to do about it? And he said, yeah, we're still going, Richard. Yeah, we're still quite happy with it, which is really interesting dynamic. I mean. In, his opinion that providing it's safe to travel, he still wants to do it. So um, he wants to leave it as late as possible. It's an internal trip. So he's taking all his employees away for a celebration. And like Chris, it was pushed on from last year to, to this year. So he doesn't want to do it again because the whole the whole reason for the trip gets diluted. And we've also got um, we've got a private charter for the Orange Express, um, middle of June, you know, 180 people going to Venice. So obviously that's a big budget, over a million pound budget event. Um, and again, that's still in there. Spoke to the CEO of that company. Same thing, you know, it's, a, it's an anniversary they've been doing and the whole point of doing it is to celebrate that anniversary. It's been pushed back from last year to this year. He doesn't want to push it back again. So he still make a call um, middle to the end of March. So um, it, from our point of view, we still, we've still got clients who are desperate to do these, to do these live events really, which is encouraging. So we've got a bit of both. We've got existing contracts that were pushed from last year to this year. Um, we've got 
quite a few going to the F1, you know, on, uh, in Monte Carlo. So we've got clients that want these events to actually go ahead and are not happy to move them at this early stage. So it's quite different to Chris's at the moment. From a, from a fresh inquiries point of view, I mean, everything, everything's coming in now for the back end of, the, of this year, you know, to um, 2022 from a live, live perspective. And the only, only um, thing that's different for us, we, we're quite heavily involved in the um, cryptocurrency uh, market. And so two or three days ago, we had um, a brief for a big award ceremony in Dubai coming in for April this year. So um, it's quite interesting. It's still, it's still, we're still getting live inquiries. The interesting thing is, will it go ahead or not, I suppose, from our point of view? Just on the, the live events you've got, are you able to sort of say, um, what sectors they are because I, I feel like depending on what sector you are depends on your risk obviously on your risk appetite so is that why yeah yeah it's a really good point so both both the um both the lisbon and the orange express are both from the construction industry so they're both even though both businesses are you know three or four hundred million pound turnover they're both um you know very hands-on ceo is and it's more you know like all ceos They've got big personalities, big egos, and they want this thing to get delivered. And so, um, so probably more of a personal interest as opposed to, you know, a PLC, something like that. Yeah, and I guess because the construction industry has been working throughout and on site. So it's a little bit, not, not such a massive step from being, you know, being working from home, I guess. Uh, Charlotte, what are you saying? Um, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a mix bag in terms of live I would say that in terms of the conversations that I'm having now I'm having some really really strong ones and I've you know we've obviously um really kicked off this year with a very very strong way with having some a lot of people wanting to have a lot of conversations which is absolutely great um we shifted um obviously quite a lot of events into this year none of them have been postponed again yet um I think our um first live event at the moment is meant to be taking place in May um they've not postponed um uh, it's meant to be taking place in Europe. Um, I'm expecting to have more conversations around COVID safe environments and um, rapid testing and stuff like that to make those types of events um, uh, plausible um, as opposed to further cancellation, well, further postponements. And we've, we've also similarly um, to Chris, we haven't really had um, many cancellations. They've all just been postponements. Um, so um, I really think that the way that we are the conversations that I'm having now are I think our clients just irritated I think a lot of people have had to last year shelved a lot of stuff because obviously the shock had set in of, of the fact that this was all happening and this was a major global problem um, and a lot of companies shelved a lot of their activity because um, they just thought you know what we're just going to write off 2020 and it will be what it will be um, and whatever they could turn into virtual and they could do those things virtually then absolutely great um, and obviously there was quite a lot of this, quite a lot of virtual work out there in the market, which is fantastic. Um, we have, I'm experiencing now that people are thinking, okay, that we simply can't behave in the, in the same way this year. It, it, you know, that level of, um, uh, of pressing pause on life simply can't, um, can't happen. And so, um, and people are now also quite frankly, beyond irritated with endless, endless, in terms of the corporates, endless delivery of webinar content. I think that they are, um, they find, you know, online fatigue is definitely set in. We are having endless conversations now about how do we, um, how, what does that transmission of content look like? How can it be delivered in a much more dynamic 
um, way without it just being, um, you know, um, as I put a post up on LinkedIn the other day, um, you know, a set that looks a bit like the Muppets, you know, where you've got um, everybody in little boxes, you know, what, what is what is the alternative? Um, and, uh, you know, so I think people are looking for those innovations, especially within the customer experience area. So um, take aside, I mean, employee motivation is absolutely an enormous problem because especially now it's you know, everyone is depressed, irritated, confined, um, you know, and think and can't see a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of employee motivation. But people are having to really think about their customer engagement um, strategy. And that's a lot of the conversations that we're currently having are very much around that. Great. Thanks, Charlotte. Rick, are you seeing um, the dynamics of a live, any, anything that's going ahead changing? Is it smaller? Is it more local? Is it hub spoke? Is there any changes in dynamics of of the live briefs that you're seeing? Yeah, thanks, uh, Chetan. Um, I mean, we've got some live bookings already coming through for May, June onwards. Um, obviously with the caveats of sort of stage posts of revising them to subject to sort of how the pandemic pans out, the vaccinations and so on. So revising from if it's live, what sort of calendar flag is there in place on the project plan to then look at whether it needs to be transformed into something more hybrid or, or complete to virtual um, and agreeing that in advance with the client to sort of give them more confidence. Obviously, all the live elements are subject to, to current government guidelines, whether it's the reduced capacity, lateral flow testing, distancing screens in place for caterers and non-touch, you know, collateral registration and so on. Um, there's fragile confidence appearing. Um, but I think there will be more bumps along the way imminently, depending on how the next few weeks pans out with, with the peak and stuff. Um, it'd be interesting to see the impact on, on Glastonbury. I think from a wider perspective of confidence in the general UK anyway, um, consumer confidence, which obviously then bleeds into perhaps corporate confidence in some respects of, because it will be get a lot of media coverage. Um, I'm, I'm not confident that that will perhaps go ahead. I think the insurance um, lobbying probably won't cut through, but that's just my personal opinion. We'll see. Um, however, you know, Mobile World Congress and the Euros are still potentially still taking place as, as planned in, in June um, onwards. So, you know, that's good if that stays in place for a lot of, of key brand experience agencies. Um, there's a heightened level of briefs coming through, certainly from the last quarter of last year, particularly from Braver global brands. Um, uh, interesting to hear of, um, from, from Richard about sort of the construction sector obviously have pretty much been open throughout. Um, and obviously the IT telco media sector have, have thrived in this, in this uh, last six, nine months and have the, the confidence perhaps and the money um, in some respects, but you can't be too generalistic. Um, but you know, the need for in real life experiences and product interaction for them is really prevalent um, with one through one voice. We did some surveys towards the end of last year and 96% of business leaders say that events, you know, add value to their businesses. 93% said the absence of live events um, has had a detrimental impact on their staff engagement to, to Charlotte's point and on internal comms. Um, and three quarters of them said that absence of live events experiences has had a detrimental impact on their marketing. So there's no lack of will and demand um, out there. And I don't think that's a surprise, hopefully, to anyone. But for me, on the brief side, you know, events now need to be perceived to be more worthwhile. Um, a lot of events historically were booked because they were annual. They were done anyway before. And it just came up in the calendar for the FD or the MD or whatever. And then they just put together 
the rehash brief from last time. Obviously, I'm being quite generic there, but um, you know, in real life, as I said from the stats quoted, are really important for client engagement, relationship development, staff support, uh, strategy buy-in, networking, motivation. Now needed more than ever for obvious reasons of the isolation. Um, but strategically, live events now are part of uh, the wider mix available to clients as opposed to historically being pretty much the only main ingredient used and therefore they need to be demonstrably um, relevant to whatever the client brief is. Um, and I think they have, certainly we're seeing much stronger links to wanting more social, personal and a responsible delivery of them within the pro project management makeup, the briefing, the format of delivery. And I think events will become more perceived to be more special occasions. Um, I think the pandemic effectively highlighted their importance, but also highlighted whether they were relevant to deploy rather than other forms of, of, of content delivery and when not so. So, you know, I think they'll initially stay local and regional, obviously subject to the international travel appetite, um, which again is very varied across the world and different sectors and individual brands and their cultures and what happens with travel corridors. Um, but I think there's a big influence increasingly on cost, time and sustainability considerations for for that big international travel convention or conference or product launch and that will be quite clearly put through into the the briefs over the coming months and, and long term yeah sorry go on richard i totally agree i think one of the concerns for me would be that you know historically if you look at a traditional incentive program where you know um, a sales growth program would come into place with um, a communications plan that goes along with it, with the actual end trip being a glamorous overseas event. What we're finding, or one of my concerns, is that um, certain sectors will still have had that growth without the actual incentive plan in place. So, from an FD or commercial point of view, they might look back on the balance sheet and say, "Well, actually, we've saved a million pound here on that marketing activity, but we've still got the sales growth along there." So going forward, that be questioned is, is that a valid expense that needs to be put forward, really? Um, so same thing as what Rick was saying, that clients traditionally sometimes have just gone along with things where they've not had um, the confidence to actually draw a line in the sand and say, actually, is this working or isn't it working? Whereas the whole point of this pandemic has actually made that happen. So from our point of view, lots of our clients have not had that incentive campaign in place, and yet the sales have often increased anyway, which is a concern for us and for our industry, really. Yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, you mentioned um, uh, Mobile World, no, Glastonbury, sorry. And so do you think um, there's some big events planned in the UK, I think? I think we're doing, is it the G, G8 or something? And we're also, what's, what's the environmental one in Glasgow as well? Yeah, so those, I mean, those are kind of, they're very much in plan. I know one of the agency leaders on our on our group is is running those, and that they were saying that they're very much still going ahead. So I guess we're looking at these big big events to give general market confidence. Is is that? Would you agree? Don't understand why that isn't working. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And it, and it's not just about it's the media coverage that the cancellation of them will get. It's the impact on the supply chain, which we'll get onto, I guess, later on capacity and resourcing. It's all the brands that are involved. Um, it'll, 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 they'll be inspired by them going ahead and seeing them in practice, in real life, how it can be done safely, and that will inspire more confidence. The cancellation of them will sell alert, alert, warning bells that either um, the individual country or government guidelines have not perceived them to be safe, which is one thing, but the perception may also be that the organisers couldn't demonstrate that it could be safe, which is even more worrying. 
uh, which yeah. is probably not the, the reality, um, as we saw from, you know, the Southampton Boat Show et al. Um, public health um, generally are not in tune with our expertise, and that's a legacy of decades of our industry not really being understood or, or represented or valued with the global expertise we have. But the perception is everything and the confidence is everything. So, you know, Glastonbury is one element from a consumer media perspective, but the, the bigger business shows are key because they will they will give case studies and demonstrations to, to the decision makers of, of how viable it is. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the fragility that we've currently got at the moment. If I can just cut in there as well, I would also say that this is going to be one of those, you know, everything gets talked down or talked up. They become self-fulfilled prophecies and so on. And I do think that, um, once uh, there are some events, live events that actually do go go out, I, I, I think that the, there will be a cascade effect overall, particularly in the industry, different industry sectors that, you know, have shied away from them at the moment. I mean, we've got a, our first live event is in May and that has been booked and that they're, they're absolutely adamant that that's not going to cancel and that's actually going to get bigger. Um, but I just think that once we get a few of these actually able to happen, and as Rick says, really being able to demonstrate what we all know, which is that we can create COVID safe, probably a lot safer than shopping in Tesco's. You know, I mean, we can do it. And, and there just needs to be some demonstrations, some examples, some case studies, some positive PR to talk our way back into them. Um, Charlotte, just... Is that that, sorry, that that's all true, but I think one fundamental that we are, you know, to be honest, the government have made such a hash of this whole scenario. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to bang on about that because it's wildly depressing. But I think, um, you know, the longer that the government keep us um, locked down, the only, um, and people are, you know, they're saying now that the chances are that we're going to be locked down until the 31st of March. The question is, is six, six weeks or eight weeks enough time post a lockdown scenario for that consumer confidence to come back to actually feel that one can actually deliver an event in May? So it, there's a big difference, you know, if you get, um, if we get, if things get released because they actually hit their target of inoculations in the middle of February, then obviously there's a, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's an impact to that and things become, and we're able to go out a lot more and there's a level of freedom. The, um, there's a huge sense of, of fear right now um, in terms of the set. And I don't, I don't want to be overly negative. However, there is a flip side to all of this. And I think that, um, I think at the moment one has got to hope for the best and prepare for the worst because there is very nobody knows and nobody has a crystal ball what is actually going to happen this year. Um, and this new virulent strain of the virus is frightening a lot of people. And the media coverage isn't helping because when you're seeing people that are very close to death who are in their 20s, and obviously they're isolating specific cases of this. Um, you know, that is damaging consumer confidence enormously. And I certainly am finding within my personal um uh, contact base um and uh, in, in environment that you know they are clamping down quite significantly now on um you know, on on police regulations and um you know really stopping people doing from from you know steering off uh doing what they should be doing legally and i think you know if they don't hit the target of the amount of inoculations of the elderly by the middle of February, that's going to have a knock-on effect, which will then mean that we won't be able to go out until the end of March, which is what they're stipulating at the moment. And then, you know, that all has a knock-on effect in terms of how, how close to the wire are people prepared to continue with live events based on what the government is stipulating. 
Um, and we can only make, you know, our clients and, and us, we can only advise and our clients can only make decisions based on actually what we're allowed to do. And also what perception is correct in, you know, in what is perceptually um, appropriate at the moment. I mean, I was just talking today with my um, senior leadership team about organizing our company incentive, a stroke away trip in terms of taking everybody, because everybody more than anything wants to see each other, wants to do something, wants to go away, wants to, you know, and the resounding message even I'm getting is, yeah, amazing, but, you know, we can't be doing it outside of the current um, guidelines or environment or whatever. And how how much longer will it be until people feel comfortable with doing that? Yeah. Well, let's, I'm just going to move the conversation slightly on. Um, it, let's say there is some confidence comes back, the vaccine rollout goes well. Um, staying with you, Charlotte, if you were... Are you already finding or do you anticipate a massive, um, so let's say, pent-up demand Q3, Q4, but a real struggle to find supply availability? Is, is there going to be a real mismatch of where we are and how we're actually going to deliver these, these great events that we're all hoping to get back to very quickly? Um, I'm not. Uh, the answer is yes, I think there would. I mean, having spoken to quite a lot of, clients over the last couple of weeks, I definitely think there is the definite will um, to want to get back to doing live events as and when it's right and appropriate and uh, perceptionally correct in which to, to do that. Um, I think September is probably um, a safe environment for people to feel in terms of a timeline. I think, you know, September is kind of where people are, are heading in terms of their, their views on that. And we've certainly got events that are currently still in the diary for May and June. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, um, as the others have said, whether, you know, the likes of MIPIM will move, uh, Mobile World Congress, et cetera. But um, there's definitely a will. A hundred percent is a will. Um, I think that um, uh, I think in terms of the supply chain, we we tend to um, we, we tend to be very creative and not go to mainstream suppliers anyhow. So I don't perceive that we're ever going to have a problem with the supply chain. That's my personal view. I don't think we're going to struggle to create the solutions. Um, and obviously we will work around the clock to create those solutions in a time frame that the client requires them. So I'm personally not concerned about the supply chain aspect. Um, and I'm also not concerned about the resourcing aspect either um, because I think, you know, we've got an industry now that's flooded with incredible talent um, and, you know, I think one's able to pull on such incredible resource as and how one needs it. Um, if you if you don't have it um, uh, on, on, on your full full time payroll. So I think um, in terms of venues, I think, you know, the venues that we tend to use at the moment, um, we're in regular contact with um, a lot of very unique um, uh, bespoke types of solutions. Um, and in terms of, you know, production suppliers and, you know, where I, I don't perceive the, the supply chain to be an issue. Richard, what, what about you? Do you, do you see um, both, into, I mean, I know you, the agencies here represented today, I know they're all busy having delivering virtual and hybrid solutions to your clients. There's going to become a point where the live briefs come back and your teams are, Going to have to jump back into live, or you're going to have to re recruit if you've haven't if you've changed this kind of makeup of your teams. How do you see that internally and back? You know, just staying with the resource question, all that that favorite um, magician or whatever it was. You know, or so a lot of this supply would have had a massively terrible time over the last year and a half. How do you see it? Yeah, I think it's um, it's yeah 
probably disagree slightly with Charlotte. We've got a different client base, but, but for, I see the supply chain on two sides of it. From a supplier point of view, from um, we do a lot with the ACC. I have quite a few exhibitions over there. I know for the back end of this year, you're struggling to get a date um, for the ACC, for example. The pent-up demand's huge, and for the first quarter of 2022, same thing. We're really struggling to get dates in there already. Um, airline perspective, you know, the actual... Um, capacity of airline seats are going to be reduced and I think that will have an impact so we might have a demand from a client's perspective but to be able to deliver that from a logistical point of view I think it will be I think there will be a problem um, from that side of things um, I think the other concern for us um, I know there's a few DMCs on here you know as a business we are concerned about DMCs financial security as well like everybody else you know it's been a tough time for the whole um, whole of Europe so from an agency's perspective you know, that they are concerns going forward as well about um, the financial security of DMCs. Do you commit financially now, which has an impact on the, the whole industry, really, you know, keeping that supply chain going. Um, from a resource point of view, yeah, you're totally correct. You know, the, I know we spoke about this um, last week, but the, what we have, we employed, the people that we employed, you know, 18 months ago, we all joined my company to, to deliver fantastic events globally around the world and deliver live events. And obviously those people with those talents are now being asked to deliver virtual events. So I've getting quite a lot of pushback uh, from staff saying that, you know, like we said, they're not engaged and not enjoying the job. It's not the job they signed up for. So that is something that's um, that's ongoing. We're reskilling them, we're training them, but we're training them a job. They didn't actually apply, apply for, if that makes sense. So from a recruitment point of view, you know, we've taken on um, four four new members in the past um, four weeks. Um, three of those were tech roles. So, um, so it is a real a real dilemma where we are at the minute. And you are correct that uh, there will be a crossover where we're going to have the, the team that the team delivering virtual events, but at the same time those inquiries and those briefs coming in for live events to deliver. And it'd be that really strange time where you're trying to, from a resource planning point of view, it'd be really really tricky, really. Yeah. Um, Chris, I'm going to come to you. Um, how, how, how tired are you? How, and what I mean by that is like, I think last year, okay, it all happened. It was all new. There was almost this like sense of, right, it's all new. We need to, we need to solve the current situations. We need to postpone events. We need to maybe deliver some virtual solutions, but we're sort of still going to be in this journey for quite a while. Are you just bloody tired and just like, how are you going to find the energy to get to the other side? I mean, that's a personal question, I know, but how, what, what do you think? And, and maybe speak for yourself, but also just like the industry. We're going to go on this journey for a lot longer. I mean, tired is, I, I'm, I'm probably like most people, a little bit pissed off, frankly. I mean, you know, a lot of what we are unable to do, um, it, it's all out of our control. Uh, what we feel we can do and should be able to do. And even if we have a client base that, that wants to do, we can't. So um, I think there's, um, there's what, what I think is positive, and I've taken positive out of this, is that going back to your previous question, really, about the supply network, if you like, I think that there's been some really, really positive, grown up, very pragmatic decisions made in this industry across the world in terms of hoteliers, contracting, um, in terms of DMCs and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I, I think everybody, well, from my experience, everybody's played ball, which has made 
that, that that's made it easier and we're all in the same boat. Um, as going forward, um, we never, Purple Dog Solutions is very much a live events agency, very, very much so. And uh, we deliver, contrary to maybe perception, we deliver far fewer incentives than we do conferences, press launches, things like that, but we do do them. And um, <clears throat> it's been a struggle for me personally to get my head around the, uh, the live event stuff because we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the infrastructure owned, operated by us, so we have to partner. And that's fine, and we've done it <clears throat> well and successfully. Um, personally, it, it bores me, frankly, it bores me. Um, and so I haven't gone out to market to, to say, oh, we are now this sort of almost rebranded, et cetera, et cetera, agency that, 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 that is focusing very much on virtual. What I have said is that we've added skill base in the term, in, in, by people and partners. We've added skill base. We're still a live event, but we've added the skill bases that we need in order to deliver the, the virtual or the hybrids. And, and I'm quite happy to go forward that way because there will come a time I'm, I'm forever confident about this. There will come a time when the live events, for those of us that actually are in live events primary, primarily, they will come back. They will be different. I still maintain that they will probably be in slightly less avant-garde destinations and places around the world because I think that there needs to be, you know, going back to the supplier question, you know, airlines, I agree with Richard, airlines is going to be the big one for us airlift in and out of places is going to be huge um and i don't believe the low-cost carriers are going to instill the confidence out there so i think live events will come back am i bored of the virtual not it, yes and no but no because we haven't been inundated we've done three in 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 q3 sorry q3 and q4 of last year um <clears throat> we were supposed to be delivering one on the 25th, but that's been canned because the client has basically said, we don't even want to gather to do, um, uh, you know, the actual presentations and they don't want to do it from, you know, their back rooms and so on and so forth. So that's not happened. So, so bored, yes, bored, pissed off more than bored because <laughs> nothing, we've got very little control over our own destiny. And, and in events, we're all control freaks. Um, and, and, and that's the thing for me, um, I would say going forward, it's, you know, I'm living for the day when we do open up again and we have clients that are really confident to do it, but they're not confident to make the decisions right now. Um, and I do believe we're going to go back to a time when we've all got two, three months leading time for a big majority of what we're doing. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Um, moving on again, very quickly, conscious of time, Charlotte, the virtual world, let's just touch on virtual for a little bit. Um, we've had this discussion where a lot of the audiences are now possibly going into their second, maybe even third large virtual event, not just um, not just a webinar, but an actual virtual uh, engagement piece, a whole day conference or so on. So things have evolved massively over the last eight, eight 12 months. Um, the audiences are getting more sophisticated. Um, and budgets are hopefully or potentially increasing because they know the value of content. What, what are you seeing in terms of key trends in virtual, almost like 2.0, because we're going into the second year? 
Is that to me? Yeah, Charlotte, yeah. Oh, sorry, apologies. Um, I think that um, also a lot of our clients have been, uh, they've invested in their own platforms. So it's been very much really around the content curation um, as opposed to um, uh, they're doing a lot of the delivery themselves. And a lot of it has been webinar based, if I'm honest. The, the uptake for big, um, uh, you know, augmented reality and, and, and kind of and 3D and, and, and 4D experiences has not been has not been huge um, in um, in the environment that we sit in. We've done a lot of external client webinar stuff. We've done uh, where, where we've made it more engaging by, I mean, by using, they still want to use the back end as, you know, a Zoom or a Teams um, scenario, but we've been asked to bring in a lot of engaging um, experiences. Um, we've been asked to reformat a lot of stuff, looking at how doing analytics around, um, you know, how do you keep people's attention spans for periods of time, um, formatting what those what those conferences look like. And, and actually, to my complete horror, I had a, um, a girlfriend of mine who works for a massive software business call me the other day, and she's been told she's got to do her kickoff conference for six days this week, six hours a day. Uh, and I mean, I, I was listening to this thinking, what lunatic has put that together? I mean, I, I could not get my head around it. I was like... I mean, you know, they're meant they're a they're a global, enormous software business. And I was like, somebody in marketing has decided that they're gonna they sent them some um as a as a sort of a, a gift box option, a plastic flag, a piece of paper on mindfulness, and I don't know, a couple of other really crummy pieces of kit. And she was just she called me up in absolute disgust, going, you know, I'm meant to be motivated as a, a senior commercial salesperson for this software brand, and this is what happens. You know, so it's it's interesting to see that even these massive businesses that should have be able to throw big money at internal marketing teams, they still haven't got a clue. Uh, and, you know, and, and they're not they're not talking to their brand at all. You know, they're just thinking, OK, we've got to do something here and it's and it's for five thousand people. What are we going to do? And we need to make sure these boxes are only going to cost, I don't know, 10 quid or something. You know, let's just, you know, fire something out. So, um, so, so, so it hasn't involved for some brands. <laughs> For some brands, I just think I think people are still slightly um, caught like rabbits in the headlights and thinking. I, and I think there's a real perception. This is what I'm experiencing now this year, thinking, oh, God, really, we're still stuck here. You know, this is like, a, you know, how can we be now almost in a worse situation than we were in March, April of last year when it first happened in terms of the messaging that's coming out of the, the television? So what does that actually mean? And, and, you know, I can't sit here and just put stuff on. You know, we can't just carry on doing um, you know, talking about diversity webinars or whatever, because we've done that to death um, last year. So how does that evolve? And so yeah. we're now coming up with, uh, we are coming up now with with hybrid solutions. We are coming up with more engaging live virtual solutions, if that makes sense, um, in which to in which to deliver those. Yeah, I'm going to say we, we found that um, our, the big fundamental difference with those is that our clients are um, second time around, they're better educated. So they've got greater expectations about what to get. You know, we've had clients come to us and said, you know, can we have, can we have what they had on um, was it Saturday Night Takeaway with Anton Deck? We want, you know, first time around, no one even knew what they were, they were that was available. Whereas the second time around, people are saying, I've seen this website, I've attended this webinar, I'd like this, I'd like that. So we found that the audience is far more sophisticated coming back around the second time, which is great because they actually know what they want. As opposed to the first time around, it was a case of, Jesus Christ, you have to get this message across. How can you help us do it? So um, we're finding that clients are far more demanding now. We do a lot of uh, 
I know Dan's on here from XM, but he'll, he'll I'm sure, agree with me that um, you know uh, exhibitions are a big thing. Where at the beginning it was quite a two-dimensional experience, where now is everything going on there? From you know, we've you know we've had clients do you know live meditation sessions, we've had nightclubs, we've had live bars, we've had avatars coming and meeting people on the screen, and um, it's quite a different experience about what people are getting now compared to the first time around. Is is the, is the way we're we're experiencing it really. Just while we're on chat, there's a couple of guys on there about Budapest and South Africa on those questions on there. Uh, Dory, hello, I can't see you on there, but um, you talked about doing a workshop at the back end of May or something you know, at Budapest and would have been appetite for it. So definitely, you know, from our point of view, from an industry, from an agency side, you know, we're more, more than happy doing that. Um, you know, we had, as you know, I was in Dubai a couple of weeks ago. So where, as an agency, we still travel on where business allows it. So I still think there'd be an appetite for that. And Richard, you're talking about the British Lions. So the same thing. I think there's an appetite for it. Uh, I think um, we've got lots of clients saying, when can we actually get confirmation of it? The only thing they need is, and I think Rick mentioned this, but flexibility on contracts with suppliers is a major thing that people, and I think it, it's, Chris talks about it as well. What's come out of this, I've loved the fact the industry's pulled together. So that it's not been a, a supplier, whether it's a DMC or a hotel saying, well, screw you, the contract says it's a non-refundable deposit, so we're going to keep it. What, mm -hmm. What's come out of this is that we have all worked together to say, well, actually, we understand where we are. We all need this client to keep with us, so let's be flexible about it. So in answer to your question, Richard, I think, yeah, there is a demand for the Lions Tour, but we're getting that anyway. But clients um, would only sign up to something if there's complete flexibility about um you know, COVID contracts and all that type of thing, if that answers your question. Yeah. Chet, can I come back on the supply thing? Because I think I just, I, I'm afraid I sort of disagree with Charlotte, uh, respectfully, Charlotte. Um, uh, the the essence of, of the pandemic has created a fundamental market shift. And I think you've got to be pretty naive not to, to see that. Um, you know, there will be less destinations open in the medium term, at least, there'll be lower venue capacities, which will limit the opportunity for certain venues to even deliver events above a certain capacity. And therefore the higher end ones with a capacity of 10, five, 10,000, they'll only be able to do two to 5,000 and it cascades down, limiting capacity. Um, all the trends we're seeing at One Industry One Voice is there's a huge amount of skill set draining out of the industry, either through not to be able to fund themselves um, and having to look for alternative work and reskill and re retrain, um, freelancers particularly have been hit and don't see a short or medium term opportunity to get back to work in the next three to six months from their original skill set and they're going to different industries. Um, I won't name any names, but there is a very clear amount of production, AV, technical and other agency suppliers that have gone. And uh, two significant ones I heard about just this week that are very well known international names from a technical production delivery quite shocking actually um, um, at pulling out of at least the UK. Um, so if there is this heightened momentum into Q3 and Q4, they're all 100%, especially when you're gonna have the likes of COP26 and so on taking up a, ma a massive event. This is you know, the biggest international event for a number of years the UK has hosted. There'll be a huge drain on freelancers, logistics, security, infrastructure of, of, of staging, lighting, because there, there is there is going to be heightened demand and there's going to be restricted supply, both from an equipment infrastructure perspective as well as from a, uh, a, a sort of a freelance and, and so on perspective. And they won't wait until September and can't wait a lot of the time 
for uh, for briefs to come through, deposits to come through. So I think, you know, you have to sort of, if you're not already running a business or you're not engaging with a client, recognizing these fundamental market shifts, then you need to. Um, new habits have been formed, you know, social well-being, traveling, restricting that, better family time is what we've all become used to with working from home. There are obvious downsides, but businesses will look at staff engagement and productivity and the sustainability element is a huge boost now to the habits being formed because you'll have less travel, you'll have less stress on the on the on the commutes. Um, you know, and I think going out for live events will be more of a a luxury stroke, more of a privilege rather than a mandatory mm -hmm. position to be in. Because it plays to both the commercial side of a client making that decision as well as productivity and time money linked to the alternatives, which I said before, there are more alternatives in the mix. From a trend perspective, you know, studio-based hybrid events are already happening. A bit of reticence with the recent lockdown to presenters not wanting to go into the studio, but going back to virtual, but that'll change. So 100% hybrid orientated models are here for the long term. Clients trust the technology now. The industry's developed better solutions. They're less risky, less new and gimmicky. And clients and the, and the, and the industry better understand the tech. You know, the likes of Pathable or Bizabo or ON24 Hopin are off the shelf, readily available platforms. They're formulaic, they do what they say on the tin. You know, it's the Word document through to the Keynote document. They're not particularly customizable. Um, and more and more agencies are combining their broadcast and their technical ability with their content and strategy ability to deliver multimedia um, content incorporating live content, gaming, AR, workshops, polling, hackathons, all into one customized format, which creates a lot more of an important balance between that content broadcast and live and, and, and experience. So, you know, their ability, obviously, for audiences to become uh, customizing their own experience by exploring digital spaces, navigating spaces, choosing how and who they engage with and taking control even over their own hybrid and, and online experience. Um, so I think, you know, it's critical for sort of clients and agencies to advise on that, even through to in, in events entertainment, you know, right, you know, like the Fortnite gaming um, um, and the gaming industry is massively capitalized on having entertainment embedded within other sort of performances and, and content. So, you know, Travis Scott shows on Fortnite, 30 odd million views. Um, and created a huge amount of press and 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 income and Dua Lipa's a bit of a one-off but Dua Lipa's uh, and someone else can't remember's um, on, online sort of um, shows garnered a huge amount of commercial success now that's not necessarily going to be the mandatory approach but people are understanding and developing better ways of communicating more of a hybrid element so I do feel that you know that is going to be here to stay and the consideration of that will be a lot more prevalent um, in, in in clients view because habits, as I say, have been formed. People want more time with their family. Staying at home at least one or two days a week will be more more, more appealing. And um, we're better equipped now in some areas of the industry to adapt to that. Um, and I think that events will be very much more deemed to be a special occasion, something that isn't just the go-to, but almost just, just stress tested a little bit more um, versus or other opportunities. So, um, that, that, that's just my view on those two points. Can I, can I just cut in here as well? I agree with you, Rick, um, on, on, all, on pretty much all of that. I would, I would also say that the, the government, the Exchequer has a, a say in some of this because let's talk about incentives. There haven't been any incentives for a year plus or almost a year. 
from anywhere, really. I mean, Middle East has done some and a few other places, but talking from the UK and most of Europe, um, there's been a few, but hardly any. I just wonder as well when, if incentives come back, when incentives come back and they are the icing on the cake, they are special again. I go back to that point of almost being in the past, bringing the past back again, when it was something special rather than just we do it every year. I just wonder whether or not people being used to not travel, will they want to travel a lot more with their families after this, as opposed to with work colleagues, even if they are as couples, what about benefiting kind tax? What about all of those things? Government's not really extended much of a helping hand to our industry, as we all know. Um, I just wonder going forward whether, you know, people are getting used to not doing stuff. I think there's going to be corporates a lot more understanding about individuals' reticence to travel after this. So again, I go back to that. I think that this, the, the sort of safe destinations perception, I mean, what is that? But you know what I mean. Um, I, there, there's so much to it in a shift of, of um, uh, habits and a shift of habits to habits that we haven't even experienced as yet because we're not open for business as such. I think it's, it, it's quite, it's, it's up in the air. It's very up in the air. Chris, I, I just come back on that. I, um, I can tell you now, I love my family so much, but I'd love to go and travel. <laughs> I've been yeah, with yeah. them. I've been with yeah, them yeah. for eighteen. Yeah, that's also fair. That's also. Fair. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who are desperate to get out. I mean, and, and go do something different. And I, you know, I think that um, as we've all had to adapt in one way or another, you know, nothing, nothing is ever. If you can't move and you can't be dynamic and you can't be agile. Um, you can't progress in many ways as well. I mean, that's my personal view. And unfortunately, we've all had to be agile in, in the industry. And there's been, you know, it's been a torrid time for, for, for many. Um, but I think agility is is the key. And having to think outside the box is going to become more and more important. Thanks. Um, so I'm just going to wrap up in a second because we've only got a few minutes left. I know, Charlotte, you've got to go. So I'm going to say my thanks to you for joining today and your honesty. Thanks for joining, Charlotte. Um, Thank you very much, Chet. Uh, Rick, I'm going to just come to you. Just can you, uh, for many people who, who I'm sure most, almost everyone on this will know about One Industry, One Voice, give us a quick sentence on the mandate of what it is. And then can you just tell us what happened? Give us a wrap up of what happened pre-Christmas, because I know there was the, the campaign started. And given everything that's just happened now, what is the kind of plan for the rollout for getting the confidence back for consumers? Thanks, Chetan. Well, very briefly, um, I think as most industry leaders on this call have recognised, we've suffered as an industry for the last couple of decades of a lack of understanding, both from government, the general public and media, of what we're about, our global expertise, how we cover all different regions, how we cover so many different disciplines, how we covered so many different elements from youth employment to, to, to senior positions, our contribution to the economy, um, our expertise in sustainability and health and safety and logistics, married with our innovation, and our creativity, probably most highlighted by the 2012 opening ceremony as an example that people would recognise, or Glastonbury and another ilk. Um, but effectively, um, that issue married with the fact that my sector, which everyone's involved in, are pretty much on this call, is one of seven events industry sectors. There's the wedding sector, there's the outdoor events sector, there's the music sector, there's the exhibition sector, um, there's the experiential sector, there's the sports and mass participation sector. They are very intricately linked with our sector. 
And I think there's a huge amount of misunderstanding or perhaps not enough education on how interlinked we actually are. The vast majority of our sectors share the vast majority of production companies, venues, hotels, freight transport, caterers, freelancers, technical production, I could go on. And they, they can all do one project in a month across all those seven sectors. And we don't recognize that. And I think thirdly as well, the pandemic encouraged, apart from the profile and the contribution, and of course the cross-sector experience and integration that we should recognize and work closer together to support, it therefore meant that one industry, one voice has a mandate when we reached out to so many people of what do you want us to do? The three key messages was explain to everyone just in clarity what we do, the scope of what we do, the power of events for us to influence and inspire society and, and the audiences, help them celebrate, support society across responsible charity events, mass participation events. And then obviously the pandemic more recently has created an opportunity for us to demonstrate our safety and health and safety and logistical, logistical expertise. So with that all in mind, we've got a cross-sector group of people from all those different aforementioned sectors, including this one, working together to support all the different campaigns, whether it's project recovery, nightlife, music, what about weddings? We create experiences and we make events, obviously a slightly more hour orientation. We did a B2B campaign before Christmas with a huge amount of high profile celebrities, videos, as well as some key messaging in a main video, which I think was viewed over a quarter of a million times now in the, just the last three or four weeks, um, which was great. We had coverage across national TV, print, media, and a lot of social media engagement uh, through the industry and externally, which was great. Um, and now building on that mandate, unique mandate for the first time um, to go into a B2C campaign in the coming months for the more music, <laughs> weddings, live, outdoor, sport, mass participation and charity stuff, which is more consumer focused. Um, so that's effectively the mandate that we've been given. We're now part of the APPG that's just been set up with the government. I'm attending that on Monday with Simon Hughes to get more representation. Several people have asked, are we going to get a minister of events? That would be nice. That would get us a little bit more of an input on that. But effectively, more people need to know what we do, how we're integrated with society, how we're integrated with lots of different sectors, how we benefit the economy. The power event drives growth in business, benefits society. Mental and health well-being is very, very clear with regard to sharing experiences. Um, we've got a professor from the University of Sussex, a specialist on that, advising us on that as well. So... It's bigger, better clarity of data and messaging from an industry that's properly represented with a clarity of message and voice coming through from one organisation. And if you would like to support it, please go to oneinstrumentvoice.co.uk. Website is actually supported by Chetan and Moisbook. Happy always to mention his support. And the specific campaign is wecreateexperiences.co.uk. Um, it influences and benefits everyone to support us. So thank you for that platform. Thank you, Rick. And so thank you, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate Thanks to the panel for their honesty and insight today. Um, voice, New Voice Forum, please do sign up, uh, voice.mysput.com. And the 27th of Jan, which will be our next talk, will be MySput Talks to Corporates to get their insights and outlook for 2021. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week, month. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, mate. We really hope you enjoyed those talks and if so, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. To see what the next discussions are, please go to mustburnit.com and click on Talks in the menu bar. 
to contact MiceBook, please email us at info at or follow us on Instagram and Twitter.